Welcome everybody to Sleep Paralysis News Episode 4. I'm here with Sheila Price Brooks. My name is Cyrus. I'm a screenwriter here in Columbus, Ohio, working on my film project Aimless, which has to do with sleep paralysis. So years ago, uh, I reached out to Sheila and we finally got connected. And so we're on episode four here. We had a few guests and it's my turn to interview Sheila about her experiences. And Sheila has been living with sleep process for over 30 years. She's decided to break her science about her struggle with the phenomenon. Sheila's a PhD researcher and speaker specializing in sleep paralysis. So she is the person to talk to when it comes to the spiritual side and just understanding the psychology behind it as well. So here we are, Sheila, episode four. We're getting our momentum going. So thank you for your participation. So we can jump in right into the questions. And it says um, in your intro, it says you've been struggling for 30 years. Then you decided to break your silence. So what was it that happened for you? To break your silence okay so i think that what happened for me was that um i was very firmly convinced that the sleep paralysis that i was experiencing wasn't a natural phenomena in that i i'm convinced and, and i still am convinced that it's not anything neurological that's going on, that there isn't, um, it's not something to do with my REM sleep, my sleep patterns, um, my neurology or physiology. I'm very much firmly convinced that there's something spiritual, otherworldly, extraterrestrial based, um, that the sleep paralysis episodes that their source is from. So I decided to focus a PhD on that and do research around the sleep paralysis phenomena really from that perspective to explore it and um, do some research and stuff about it and there isn't a lot about it from that perspective a lot of the information that's out there is based on sleep paralysis being a psychological neurological disorder and I thought that it's important just to kind of open it up, to start the conversation, to examine the phenomena as a spiritual experience and, and really get people talking about that and joining the dots together. I, when I say join the dots together, for me, it's about looking at it um, as, as something that whilst it's spiritual, it connects with things like astral projection, lucid dreaming, out-of-body experiences, even the near-death experiences, see other kinds of psychic phenomena, and joining up all of those dots, and let's see where it takes us. So I suppose that's a long way of answering your question, Cyrus, in terms of why I decided to open it up. Um, I also, just, just to add on that, I also felt that there's a stigma attached to the phenomena. I mean, I couldn't speak about it for many, many years, not even to my closest friends and family. Um, I kept it as a secret 
feeling as though I was bewitched, cursed, something evil was going on that I didn't really know about or understand, but it's not something I could share. And I, I, I'm presuming that many, there are many, many other people in the same position. So it's time to kind of let's move on with the times here. Um, let's get these conversations out in the open. We the, These things are happening to us and let's discuss them and share them openly. So, yeah, that's why I'm here, really. Yep, and that was the whole point of our podcast, to build a community so that you don't have to walk around thinking that you are by yourself or that you're demon-possessed or the only one feeling creepy. So hopefully we get the discussion going, like you said. So back to the you taking the supernatural or paranormal approach from that perspective, then, okay, there's this paranormal spiritual world out there. Why is it selecting these people then? If we disregard the REM sleep and sleep hygiene and, you know, whatever genetics may come into play if you put that aside then how come they chose you how come they're and then let's say the stat is less than 20 percent of the population is going through this so then what would your spectrum weren't everyone else isn't what's okay now let me just let me just state for the record that this is just my personal opinion here and that I, I, I am a, a deeply spiritual person, and that's taking spirituality outside of religion far more broadly. And my um, view is that we are more than physical beings. We are spiritual beings, energetic beings, you know, in that our energy and spirit is contained within this shell, which we call being human. Um, and my belief is also that when you are um, sleeping and when you're in the sleep state, it's one of those times that your, your energy, your energetic being can leave your physical shell. You release all your, when you sleep, you are not resistant, you're completely relaxed. And that's when your energy, your energetic self can leave your body and, and really traverse, do a lot of different things. And that's what we would call the out of having an out of body experience or astral projecting. And you can go to lots of different places, both here on Earth different planets, different galaxies. You can experience a whole range of phenomena when you're in your astral body, um, as, as we tend to call it. So um, for some of us, that, 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 that natural state carries with it um, a certain frequency. And with that explanation, um, I would also say that our spiritual body is an energy, as we know, doesn't dissipate. You can't just get rid of it. It, it may change, but it's, it's always there. So as energy, where this physical body that we're in, we have been around for a long, long time incarnating in this physical state or another. So that then means that then our energetic body, this, this natural state that we have, um, it, it can engage with a whole range of other types of um, consciousness. 
in our energetic state. And so when we do our astral projecting, we're able to engage with all types of types of beings, types of consciousness, types of entities that are all around us, that our physical body restricts us from seeing, restricts, restricts, restricts us from hearing. Our eyes can only see to a limited amount, but when we are non-physical, we can do a whole range of, we can do a whole range of stuff. Now, in answer to your question, there are some of us who due to our spiritual makeup and our frequency and vibration, we are able to interact and recall the interaction with the different types of consciousness that we can engage in our non-physical non-physical body. And for me, that's the explanation in terms of why some people can experience sleep paralysis and others can't it's very much about our spiritual makeup and it's very much about our level of resistance and it's also about where we are at that time in our lives um if you're in a kind of low place if you are your energy is in a low place you um, are vibrating at a very low level when you are in your non-physical state you carry that low vibrating energy that you have and you then are able to engage with those entities at that level you know likewise when you're in a high place and you um and you sleep you are able then to engage with different types of entities and that i would say cyrus is my wet my rationale my way of looking at the phenomena and why some people experience it and some people don't Okay, so <clears throat> reading from your story on dreamstudies.org, Break the Silence, which Ryan Hurd included you on his website, which was unbelievably written and entertaining. Uh, a quote here says, it would land on my chest like a huge weight, a hunched round beast with dark stubbly hair. So my question is, how come my experiences I didn't have on my chest, but when I talk to other people, it is a lot. Like it's almost over 50% of people that I'm talking to about their sleep process, sleep paralysis experience. They're saying they felt something on their chest or there was a demon or some type of entity on their chest. So I'm trying to figure out why is it on the chest? It could be the common thing could be something's tugging my ear or something keeps on scratching my ankles. But this huge majority is saying there's something on their chest. I'm trying to make sense of it. I can't other than, you know, we do have thoughts, but then we say follow your heart, you know. So we're kind of a complicated entity. When people say follow your heart, what does that mean? Because your heart is just a blob of blood pumping in your chest. But I do, I've done my research in, in myself as well. There is something spiritual that is in this region right here. And I don't know if there's chakras or whatever. I got into that stuff too, trying to figure it out. But we have a mind, I think therefore I am, but then we have a heart too. And when you read the Bible, it says, man, follow his heart and mind. There's a difference even in the Bible describing man's heart versus his mind. 
So that definition, that explanation of what is man's heart, it's hard to explain. Um, so I'm wondering why, in from your perspective, why do does, does so many people have something on their chest? What is the significance and symbolism behind that? I what well, I don't I, I I don't know why they choose to come on the chest, and I don't know. I mean, the the beast that I saw is seen by millions of people around the world and we all are seeing the same beast and I would say beast and beasts because there are different types of beasts different types of entities and we're all seeing the same beasts whether it's the incubus the succubus whether it's the the um the classic alien type one with the big eyes, whether it's the shadow man, whether it's the hat man, whether it's the wisps of smoke, we are all seeing the same types of entities. Um, the ones that I have and others have that land on the chest, like I said, it's they're, they're huge and they just come thud out of nowhere and, and land on you. But what I do know in all instances it's the primary motive seems to be to instigate fear, to yeah. to make you be afraid, to let you feel scared, you know. It's and it's almost as though they are sucking on that negative energy and and trying to get as much fear and and panic from you in that Correct. state. You know, and, and they are enjoying that. That builds them up to the extent that they will taunt you, provoke you, tease you, do what they have to do to make you feel afraid. They will make you think they've gone, then they'll suddenly come back. They'll come into your face all of a sudden, huge, and try and frighten you. They will pretend that they look like somebody else and somebody that you know and you think, oh, yes, mom, you're here, and then suddenly, whoa, it's not you, mom, and it turns into this hideous, hideous um, face in front of you. But whatever they try to do, it's to instigate fear in that time. And, and again, it goes back to where I was saying about if you're in a low place and your energy is low and your vibe is low, you know, that's the kind of energy that it's very easy to connect with at that at that time. Yeah. So in terms of why the chest, I'm not sure, but I know that the chest is just one of the ways that they interact with you. They may even pull your leg, pull you, drag, drag you from the bed, you know, pull your arm, stroke you, whisper in your ear, all kinds of things. But the primary motive is to make you feel afraid. That's what it's all about. And to perpetuate that fear. For me, um, I was afraid to sleep. You know, I, I was, I just kind of thought they, they were waiting for me. You know, they were always there waiting for me to sleep, ready to, to make me feel afraid again. And that, 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 that um, victim mode kind of is again a, a low vibe you've kind of given away your power you lack assertion you're kind of allowing them to do it you're vulnerable 
Um, and again, that's all about a low vibe, having a low vibe rather than being assertive and, and taking control. Yeah, so I'm very glad that you mentioned the fear behind it all. And that was a huge thing that I studied with my experience. Um, and you're absolutely right. And we need to take note of this so we can keep it in our studies moving forward. When when they know that you're afraid, they get power. And so that's how I know they're the opposite because God is love and God is faith. So God, if you read the Bible, he just always wants to have faith, have faith in me. He doesn't necessarily want you to fear him. The word fear can be transferred to reverence. He's asking for respect, really. But these demons or whatever entity is coming to you guys wants fear. So then that is their way of power. And when I had my experience, the more I feared it, the bigger it got. So likewise, the opposite of that is the more faith you give to God, maybe God is exalted. The more we believe in him and give him love and faith. But the devil's agenda on the opposite side is to have fear. He wants the fear to get your respect. He wants the fear to control you. And that's not very loving. That's a dark side of you know, dealing with people. So the the Bible even says that the devil can turn into an angel of light. So back to what you were saying, that, you know, they will disguise themselves as someone that you can trust or a voice that sounds, you know, comforting or convincing. But really, later on, they will be revealed. So it is just very crazy what's going on in our minds and our subconscious minds to create these stories to create this this director that's in us and i think that the subconscious mind is the director of all this and so when you fall asleep and have a dream and you wake up like that was weird how did that even happen or i haven't seen that person forever you know it's like your subconscious mind who's collected all this information and you're just now free once you Go to sleep, that subconscious mind that's kind of suppressed when you're awake is now 100% awake. And then everything out the bottle is coming out to just make up certain things to make it make sense in your life. So I was, uh, yeah, I was very disturbed when I was having my occurrences. But yes, the more frequent you go through it, if you can fight it, you can get the ease of it and say hey okay i've been through this before it's not so scary this time so i guess that leads me to the question of i'm noticing that the older you get the less occurrences people are having so once people hit their mid 30s crossing over 30s to 40s it's less and less so there's like the prime there's a prime age where this is really happening why do you think that is are we more spiritual um, at a younger age, or is it something happening as our pineal gland more calcified as we get older, as we talked about? So therefore, we don't have more as much spiritual experiences. Why, as we get older, we don't have these occurrences as much? Um, I don't know, again, the answer to that question there. 
Um, I do know that a lot of people do say they have it in their earlier years, but then equally so, I do know older people who are still having them quite frequently. Um, for me, I think I did have them a lot in my younger years, but I still do have the, I have, it's quite difficult to articulate, but my nights now are becoming very busy. I think once you become aware of this kind of spiritual essence of your body and you understand the astral projection, your lucidity whilst you're sleeping becomes sharper and you can you can actually hone in on what's going on and have the recall when you wake up um, quite clearly so that you then understand what's happening. So for, I know that there are some people who are older and ha are still having it quite frequently. I think for me, it's very much about where you are um, spiritually, energetically. Are you in a, a low place or a high vibrating place? What kind of stresses do you have? What triggers do you have? Um, mentally, are you in a good place? I think all of these things impact on the amount of sleep paralysis that you experience. But um, for me, the sleep paralysis phenomena and my research is clearly telling me that sleep paralysis in the traditional way, i.e. seeing the, the entities, the, the terror, the, the physical paralysis, sleep paralysis is really much more than that. Um, it's, it's, it includes the, you know that you've left your body. So it includes this, you wake up and you know that not only did you experience that terror, that you've left your body, you, you have that recall, you know that something kind of otherworldly took place, you know, you were sleeping, you know, I spoke to somebody once and they went to bed at one at a time, they could see the time on the clock when they went to bed, when they were sleeping and the entity came in and frightened them, they saw the same clock and they saw the time whilst they were having the experience. So when they woke up from the fear, they looked at their clock in their bedroom and it showed the time was continuous. So if they went to bed at three in the morning, the experience would happen. They saw the time 3.15 when they were having this kind of terror thing happen. And when they woke up, it was 3.16 you know so we 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 can see clearly we know clearly that there are these these things that are going on something um paranormal metaphysical something supernatural is is happening during these experiences so it's far more than just the the physical bodily paralysis and and people are also being left with psychic abilities they can um they have precognitive dreams they see people who have passed away once they go past that fear-based state they have other experiences which are which we would call psychic which bring about these kind of paranormal experiences that they are having not just during sleep but during the waking time as well. So for me, sleep paralysis is has expanded past the, the, the sleep paralysis terminology that we are currently using. It, it goes now, for me, it goes into 
um, paranormal experience, paranormal phenomena, or extraordinary spiritual phenomena, because it almost seems as though there's a gateway where the beasts are, where these evil fear-based entities are. But once you get past that, Cyrus, you know, in your sleep, you can, once you stand up to them, there's an author called um, Shiner, Rudolf Shiner, I think his name is. Um, and he talks about the gateway and the beasts being at the gateway. They don't want you to pass. And it's a test of your strength, your strength of character, your strength to kind of stand up and assert, assert yourself. And once you get past them, that's when the, the door opens, the spiritual door opens in terms of accessing a whole realm of psychic phenomena, which embraces and leads you to the wider kind of universal forces. So, so um, the sleep paralysis experience is no longer just having that fear, they came, whatever it is. Um, it's about accessing what happens past the sleep paralysis experience, you know? Um, I've spoken to people who have astral projected and validated the experiences. They'll go and visit a friend whilst they're sleeping. They'll wake up in the morning. The friend will say, oh, I saw you in my dream, you know, whereas the, the, the person knew that they had astral projected and had also seen the friend as well. You know, these stories and experiences are coming out more and more and more. Um, as we talk about sleep paralysis, and this is why it's important to have these conversations, to look at the the shared experiences, because it's 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 far more, and this is probably why they want to terrify you and keep you in that place, because they want to prevent you from accessing these the, the psychic gifts. I call them gifts that lay beyond the sleep paralysis experience. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that was a lot, but you didn't say anything that I disagree <laughs> with. Um, yeah. When you mentioned the time, which was a good point, when you look at the clock and see that only one minute and it's like, yeah, I've had that confirmation for myself as well, that one minute in our world, like in the spirit world, you can like live a whole lifetime. You can just like, it's almost unlimited. And then you come back. So it just shows difference in time with the spirit world and our real life and it's just like it gives you a very deeper understanding and also to touch on that you know you're saying that they're preventing us from acknowledging something or you know getting to something which i agree that these entities are trying to keep us miserable and they're trying to keep us lost they're trying to keep us in the dark they're trying to keep us, let's say, paralyzed, you know, from being enlightened from that enlightenment. So I understand this, you know, how you laid it out with the that author saying that they're at, at the gate and they're trying to stop you. And it's hard to get past them because it's it's fear at the deepest level that a man can feel fear because I've felt fear before in the physical world. And I was like, man, that was like the scariest thing that ever happened to me. But then sleep paralysis is on a whole nother level. It was, I have felt fear at the deepest, 
innate level a man can feel it intuition intuitively that i couldn't even help it and i was like man that like we spoke before i was like man that was fear and so i really think that they are trying to keep us from getting closer to god from that spiritual evolution that whatever gifts that we come with here on earth you know they want us to be ignorant and we have to have some type of self-examination self-discovery and find out the story behind the story why what does that mean why was there three demons last time there was two how come the demons bigger this time than last time you know you gotta like interpret yourself am i more miserable as a person am i more do i feed off of evil and anger in the world so now my sleep process demons bigger with my sin and hate hatred and anger you know so you really got to figure that out and so these sleep doctors once we blow this up sheila these sleep doctors are going to be making some money so hopefully <laughs> we get a kickback on it but i also wanted to come to an end here but the question being what would you say to all the sleep process victims out there that are keeping it a secret what message would you give to them the millions there are millions of people out there who are going through sleep paralysis and are keeping the secret just like you and i did what would you tell them i think that they that they need to it's good to find a channel um, a platform a group that can relate to your experiences so that you can share with them and talk and express yourself and talk about the experiences that you've had and try and get support that way. I think that's really important. I do think, though, that the times we're in, not everyone is willing to hear or accept what your what your story really. There are people that will still stigmatize you and ridicule you and um, dismiss and discount what you're saying. And I think my journey is saying that um, your journey is powerful. You know, your journey is your experience, it's your truth, and you shouldn't have to hide that, you know? I think that um, it's important for you to exercise self-care, you know, because this thing can really, really mess up your your health and your well-being. It can really run you down and really make you quite paranoid and fearful both of sleep and during the waking state as well. So it's important to try and raise your vibe in whatever way you can. You need to get out, do something, do something that makes you happy, whether it's just going for a swim, going to nice restaurants, having a, a spa, whatever it might be, you need to be doing things that, that make you happy so that you can raise your raise your vibration you need to um, make sure you have excellent sleep hygiene the worst thing for sleep paralysis is shift hours and working you know um, odd hours that that change from day to day from week to week that can be quite difficult so there's something about managing your sleep pattern but the most important thing that i think you need to do is to you need to find a way to become internally strong you need to assert yourself to say that you are going to defeat this that you are not going to be a victim here and that you're going to stand up 
to whatever is going on. Also take uh, the mode of an investigator. And, and if it happens, the next time it happens, try and stand up to them and analyze and assess what reaction they have and what happens during the sleep state when you do that. And you need to become confident, assert yourself and don't be a victim. And you'll see the episodes and the, the experiences, they'll start to change over time. And you will find that you are then able to manipulate the experience that you're having. And that's when the good stuff starts to come. Because you'll then realize that this, your sleep state is far more than you go to bed at night and then you wake up hopefully refreshed it's far more than that there's a lot that goes on in between you'll find that you're able to 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 do to do things like astral projection you'll remember your dreams you'll meet people you'll be you'll live out days and weeks as you sleep and you'll have a whole range of experiences that you can recall when you wake up and that's when you'll need lots of journals because you'll be writing down these experiences and you'll start to kind of understand yourself and who you are at your core. So that's quite a few things. But I would I would start very much with finding a, a forum. There are several on Facebook, several on Reddit. I've got a I've got a Substack newsletter called Transcend. Perhaps we'll try and find a way to to um, include that in whatever write-up that we do so that you can have a link there. Um, but there are several places that you can go to for support in the first instance. And the next thing is to develop your own, your self-esteem, your confidence, your self-worth, build all those things up and say, I'm going to take these entities on the next time they decide to invade my private sleep yeah and when you put it like that it kind of reminds me of just bullies in real life yeah if, if you stand up to a bully in real life over 80 percent of the time they're not going to do anything because they're not used to anyone standing up to them so they're yeah. used to getting their results based off of fear so when someone steps up to them they don't know what to do so really, bullies are the most insecure, you know, punks in the world, just like these demons. And they they try to use fear to control you. And then you just say, I'm not afraid of you. And then you take away their power just like that. And that's yeah. seems, seems simple, but yeah. it's it's not. <laughs> it is. I must say, yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but we can all meet the challenge you know and what's what is the alternative do, do you want to just continue to let it happen you know for how long will you continue to just be the victim and allow it to happen and there, there will come a point when hopefully you'll say to yourself i don't want them to be doing this anymore i don't want them to invade my private space like this anymore you know and that's when you'll need to really stand up to them because they, again, they can't do anything unless you allow them. So at some point, you are, whether you know it or not, you're kind of allowing it to happen by the very fact that you're not standing up to them. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And we've been, we've been asking this question to everybody so far. You came up with it, so I'm going to ask you back. <laughs> 
Are you glad this has happened to you, or do you wish you've never been through sleep paralysis before? I I am glad that it's happened. I mean, it was a terrible, and and yeah, it was a terrible, and and it continues to be a terrible experience. You know, because, and I think for me, even though the chronic nature of the experience has stopped. So before I was having it four or five times a night, even if I'd nap, I'd have, they would come. Um, and it was very, it, each, each time it was frightening. I literally thought I was going to die each time, you know. But because I now understand it, I'm now on this journey. It's a different type of journey that I'm on now, where I'm starting to understand myself and humanity and the nature of what we are through the sleep paralysis experience. And I would never want that taken away at all because I've just learned so much about our human potential and, and what we can do, what we can be, and the experiences that we can have. So because of that, um, I would say definitely not. And the, that those experiences have led me here, you know, to be able to talk openly about it, to be able to do the research about it. Um, and I feel really fortunate to be in that position. Great, it's almost like you've now evolved into a spirit guide for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You show us the way, tell us what tunnel to go down, which tunnel not to go down. (laughs) But I definitely have more questions for you, and we will continue them on episode five that we will have with Sleep Paralysis, and um, we'll probably have a guest on the show. We've had two already, so thank you. I, I really do have so many more questions, so... We like I said, we will incorporate that questions while we're um, asking other guests as well that are on the show. So if you want to be on the podcast, please email Sheila Price at info at SheilaPriceBrooks.com, expressing your interest. Again, we have communities that we're building. For people who need to see process help, one being facebook.com forward slash sleep paralysis. And um, there's dream studies out there. Sheila Price's website, you can explore the sleep paralysis section. So we will put that all in the YouTube information space for everybody to click on. And please leave your comments so we can get everything going in the community you know, working with each other from all over the world. Cause I've got, you know, that facebook.com forward slash sleep process webpage has a lot of people from Indonesia and Malaysia, like America's number one. Cause I'm based out of America, but just to see, you know, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, Bangladesh is huge. Just in, you know, I'm recognizing that, they they talk about sleep process more in their culture is and so it they keep it alive and people expect it and fear it more and so it's happening to them more or they have a better understanding when it happens here in our culture in america when it happens it's like what was that because a lot of people's parents didn't talk about it and so we're kind of left in confusion but if you go to 
these other countries and talk to them, you know, their grandma used to tell them about him. And, you know, then their, their uncle tell, tells them about it, like, watch out for this, watch out. So it's more engraved in their culture. So they're, it's definitely, you know, happening more than 20% in certain populations, depending on, you know, let's call it spiritual genetics or something, you know. And like you said, your spiritual makeup. So thank everybody for tuning in and we will check you guys out on episode episode five. And thank you, Sheila, for being with us. Thank you, Cyrus. All right, everybody have a good one. Thank you.